You're listening to Destination Country X, a KPMG tax radio podcast series. We cover key U.S. and foreign tax and trade developments that affect cross-border investment. I'm your host, Kim Major, a principal with Washington National Tax and tax industry lead for U.S. international corridors. We're glad you could join us. Enjoy the program. In recent months, we've been hearing a lot about Brazilian tax reform. And to be honest, it isn't entirely clear to anyone whether tax reform discussions will come to fruition in Brazil. But if they do, cross-border investors may need to scramble. So we thought it would be useful to get an early sense of the issues and pressures that are coming to bear. Joining me today are my co-host, Courtney Wallace, an international tax principal from our Detroit office, Erickson Amaral, head of international tax for KPMG Brazil, and Marcos Matsunaga, KPMG's LATAM leader for tax disputes and controversy, also sitting in Sao Paulo, Brazil. So Kim, thank you so much. Marcos and Erickson, thank you for joining us. I do know that as we deal with Brazil, so many of our clients have a lot of questions. I think it's one of the more difficult jurisdictions to deal with. So as we're going through now changing the rules, it'll be great to hear from you today. And I generally think of tax reform anywhere, but particularly in Brazil, as a contentious process. So, Erickson, I take it that this round of tax reform discussions meets expectations in that regard? Yeah, let's say that the negotiation has not been very easy, you know, Mm. uh, within the Congress, (laughs) to put it mildly. Of course, you have many stakeholders, even the state governments, So right now, it seems a bit of um, they have achieved a kind of halt. Mm. But assuming that they are able to resume negotiations and things move forward, I think in the next few weeks, we should, you know, have a final answer on this. Erickson, what are we talking about in terms of timing? When would this tax reform take effect? Assuming that this is approved, the new provisions would be enforced as from January 1st next year. You've had some talks about Brazilian tax reform even as recently as a few years ago. Isn't that right? And those didn't work out. That's correct. We we still have other bills sit in the Congress. They are very focused on indirect taxes, how to simplify and streamline our indirect tax systems. They didn't move forward again because they tried to come up with something so large. Sometimes when you try to achieve much, you don't achieve a lot, right? So the, yeah. the difference now is that this bill of law put forward by the Minister of Finance is very focused on income tax. Hmm. Okay. What are the specific corporate tax issues that are at stake that cross-border investors should be keeping in mind? What we have on the table is, first of all, a reduction in the corporate income tax rate instead mm-hmm. of 34 to something around 23, 24, 22. That's a good thing. That's a huge Uh, reduction, right? Yes. On the other hand, withhold income tax on dividends would be imposed. Nowadays, as you know, we don't have withhold income tax on dividends based on our internal legislation. It's basically tax exempt, the payment of dividends. And the idea is to have 20% withhold income tax. So... So there's a little bit of push and pull there, right? What is motivating that push and pull? The way that the government tried to sell it is that this change would be neutral because the decrease on the corporate tax income rate and the increase on the tax on dividends will be equalized. So there would be no change in the tax burden for corporations in general. But 
the whole discussion that the Congress is having now is that the government didn't present the calculation to show a neutral impact. In the first version of the bill, they released a kind of a very high level study that they showed that the impact would be neutral. But three weeks after it, they released another study saying that the impact would be three times higher than the one that they have first released. So there is really a lot of uncertainty regarding which would be a neutral rate for the income tax and also for the dividends. The political forces that we have now, one of those is the states and the cities. Yeah, basically today we have 34% as the nominal corporate income tax rate. This 34 is actually formed by 25, which is actually corporate income tax. And the remaining 90% is a social contribution on profits. The calculation basis, everything is the same. There is no further bureaucracy, but there are two different pockets. The corporate income tax, the total amount, which is 25, is actually shared. The total revenue is shared amongst the federal government and the state government. So it's not a state income tax, it's a federal income tax, but these revenue is shared amongst the state governments and the federal government. The social contribution on profits, on the other hand, is not shared with the state governments. This revenue stays with the federal government. The initial proposal from the Minister of Finance was to reduce only the 25% income tax. In, in the eyes of the state governments, that would be unfair. So they mm -hmm. are trying to have a reduction in both rates so that they all share the bill, so to speak. That's got to lead to a lot of competition between the state and federal to say, what's my piece? Yeah, this huge discussion in the Congress, the senators, you know, they are representing the state. So they are trying to negotiate this reduction in both taxes, the 25% and the 90%. And there is also another aspect of it, which is the federal government also planning to increase a welfare program in Brazil called Bolsa Familia, which very low-income families receive an allowance from the government. And of course, they got to have some revenue source to finance this expansion of the welfare program. Right. I understand. Yeah, there's only so much mathematic you can do that will pay the bills on increased like social spending. Um, I get that. I'm still oh. mathematical. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh my god, I'm writing that down as we speak. Who gets the revenue from the withholding tax collections? Is that also shared at the non-federal level? It is shared with the other federal bodies. So. Mm -hmm. They would receive part of it, but there is a lot of uncertainty because the corporate income tax is due in a real basis and the tax on dividends will be due just when it is effectively distributed to the shareholders. One point about this new possible provision of tax on dividends is that they are proposing taxing not only the new dividends, you know, but also the whole 
stock of dividends that companies will distribute. There's been a discussion whether or not they can make this provision because they will be taxing dividends that were taxed before according to the previous tax rate of 34%. They are saying that this is not constitutional because they are double taxing the dividend because these profits were taxed by 34% and now they will be taxed through another 20%. So that's interesting because I think when you look at treaties as a general matter, the withholding rates, if there's a withholding rate change, I think it's with respect to distributions on or after the date that the treaty goes into force, right? And so it's fairly typical that a cross-border withholding tax rate would apply regardless of any source country rate volatility with respect to the underlying earnings. I'm not sure, honestly, I see the problem from the investor perspective. From the government perspective, if you did that, that would mean that you'd have to have two pools of earnings, a pre-change pool of earnings and then a post-change pool of earnings. You have to have some kind of tracking and ordering mechanism. Yeah. That gets really complicated. Yeah, <laughs> that's why one of the proposals that came up in the couple last weeks is having like a progressive rate for taxing the dividends. So ah. for the following year, the rate will be something around... 10% and to the next year, then 20%. The corporate tax rate would also have a decrease on steps. Just, you know, the discussion that being so around. If I were, say, an American company and I was invested or thinking about making an investment in Brazil, I can no longer do a direct investment if this happened, but I could do an indirect investment, right? The U.S. doesn't have a treaty with Brazil right now, as we know. Why don't I set up, say, a Dutch intermediary holding company? So on the one hand, the rate decrease is permanent. It is something that I get to have as my benefit. The rate increase on the withholding tax side is something that I can reduce just by establishing a different org chart or holding company structure. I may have to put substance there. I'm going to have to jump through hoops, but it is possible for me to avoid that. And so I have a hard time just personally conceptualizing how this would be neutral if you could avoid mm -hmm. the stick and get the carrot. But how many treaties do we have in Brazil? And Erickson, what's the typical dividend withholding rate you might get through a treaty? No, that's a good question, Courtney. We do have around 30 treaties. We don't have a treaty with the US and so the UK, but we do have treaties with the other major economies in Europe, Canada, India, China. The usual treaty provides that, let's say Brazil can tax dividends, usually something like 10 or 15% withholding income tax rate. So the treaties would provide a relief for a foreign investor instead of 20%. One of the things I noted is just that Brazil has not signed on to the MLI. So it seems like there's a wide range of treaty provisions that you'd need to go through country by country. Is that fair to say? We are changing the treaties individually. We don't have the principal purpose test. But generally speaking, when you read the treaties, the current version of the treaties makes reference to the effective beneficiary. 
So we believe that if we simply interpose a holding company without any substance, without any business reason, the tax administration in Brazil, even based on the treaty, would be able to challenge this kind of weak structure. That's right. And on top of that, Brazilian tax authorities, they are very, I would say, well known for not accepting the normal guidelines of OECD for the tax treaty interpretation. So there have been several cases in the past where Brazilian tax authorities made their own version of interpreting the articles of specific tax treaty. So there's really a lot of uncertainty regarding not only a variety of different tax treaties that Brazil have, but also it is very uncertain the interpretation of tax authorities regarding those treaties. Assuming that this moves forward, multinationals that have investments in Brazil should start analyzing which jurisdictions they have substance, if they have any kind of internal reorg that we can use to move Brazil to those treaty jurisdictions. And some of the usual suspects like the Netherlands would be a good option. Luxembourg would be a good option as well to be analyzed. But we have to be careful and try to avoid super simple structures like those that do not have any substance or things like that. What kind of substance are we talking about in a holding company? That's a good question, but tough one, because since we have tax exemption on dividends since 1995, so I don't see the tax administration actually paying attention to substance, right? <laughs> right. Um, but as far as substance, you know, the usual stuff, decision-making, it's the key component, not real big assets. If the holding company holds other investments, let's say in Latam, that would be great, mm-hmm. you know, instead of holding just Brazil and the, everything else is held by another jurisdiction, that would be a weak position. And the longer the structure remains, the better. Timing something relevant for the tax administration in Brazil. What I'm a little bit anxious about is that if the tax authorities hadn't focused on substance previously because it didn't matter because you had to double up on statutory exemption, then maybe there was no pressure to put substance in and you could have or acquire your way into a structure that doesn't have a lot of substance. And I guess the point is, should you be relying on your old and cold structures just because they're old and cold? Do you need to be looking at the historical structures just to make sure you have substance anyway? I think that's a good point. The fact that you have something in place for many years, that's a good thing, right? But mm-hmm. if it lacks substance, there is no decision making, there is no other investments, let's say in Europe or in Latin, whatever, I think it's worth assessing whether these particular multinational would not be better off by moving the investment to another place where it may have more substance. One of the things that popped out to me was some of the capital gains implications to non-residents. So if I have that Dutch entity and then I've got an entity in Brazil and I start putting more things under it, Uh do I start raising the risk that I'm going to implicate some of those rules on the indirect transfer pieces by putting more value in, right? Yeah, that's a good question. The initial draft was clearly influenced by the tax administration. In the first draft, we had a lot of changes affecting tax structures, indirect transfer of shares, and a lot of anti-deferral rules. 
any rules trying to prevent you know, tax planning and things like that. As the negotiations moved forward, those more complex topics, more, let's say, controversial topics, they were excluded for mm. the benefit of trying to approve something, let's say, much simpler. The one thing that I hear most often is the question of should we pay up dividends this year, particularly if there's a possibility that any increased withholding could hit historical earnings and profits. Is that something that you're seeing? Companies basically can take two strategies, one which is pretty common in Brazil, which is, is in case the bill is approved, go to the courts and litigate against the government. You know, <laughs> tax litigation in Brazil is, you know, kind of a national sport. So, uh, you know, and, and tax yeah, litigation. that's great. Pretty much, pretty much. So whenever you don't like what they are proposing, you can go to the courts and discuss, you know, whether or not this is legal and constitutional. So this is one way. Another way is to pay all the dividends that you can right now. You yeah. Know, don't, don't wait for the change of the law next year. We are seeing clients trying to pay as much dividends that they can, but sometimes this is not easy because you have not not always you have the cash to pay the dividends. Some right. of them are also discussing some loans and finance alternatives in order to pay the dividends which may cause a future discussion with Brazilian tax authorities. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Tax authorities may argue that this loan and financial expense that comes with it is not made on behalf of the company, but on behalf of the shareholder. So therefore, they will not be deducted by the company itself. Either way, <laughs> you face a tax litigation in Brazil. You know, <laughs> it's, it's our national sport after soccer. <laughs> In addition to that, we have the elimination of interest on net equity. For those that are not aware of interest on net equity, it's just a kind of hybrid dividend, which is treated as a financial expense for tax purposes. The company gets the deduction and the payment is subject to 15% withhold income tax. The idea is very simple, simply to eliminate interest on net equity. So this is also something that companies are trying to run because there is not only the possibility of paying the interest on that equity relating to the current year, but also there is a possibility which tax authorities pretty much don't agree, but there are some decisions of the, the, the Brazilian tax force allowing it, which is calculating the interest on that equity, not only based on the current year equity, but also paying kind of a retrospective interest on that equity. So you could go back three years and maybe more and calculate the amounts related to those years and pay it now. Tax authorities don't don't agree with this possibility, but there are some poor decisions that allow this procedure. So your ability to base strip out of Brazil is going to be reduced, hopefully offset by the incentive to base strip into Brazil because you've got a lower rate. But again, that's also kind of offset. If you want to take cash out, maybe it's not so easy because you're going to get some leakage there. 
Excellent. As we think about our U.S.-based multinationals or other inbound multinationals into Brazil, one of the things that struck me about the new bill was that now income tax is going to be due on a quarterly basis, and maybe there's some changes to the rules and NOLs as well. Can you give us a little bit more information on how you see that working? Yeah, yeah. Legally speaking, the corporate income tax is calculated on an annual basis. You can anticipate payment on a monthly basis based on your revenue or based on your actual accounting and tax numbers. Let's change the computation of the corporate income tax to something quarterly. That should reduce a little bit the volume of work that companies will have to develop for tax compliance. And as far as the NOLs, please recall that in Brazil, you can use NOLs without any time limitation. However, you have a limitation which correspond to 30% of your taxable income. The legislation is say, okay, let's say we have the computation on a quarterly basis, but the 30% limitation does not apply to you in the next three or four quarters. So if you generate losses in the first quarter, you can carry forward those losses. And in the second quarter, you would not be subject to the 30% limitation. So you can basically use your NOLs without this 30% limitation in the next three or four quarters following the generation of uh, NOLs. Another thing that is interesting for an investor refers to what we call FIPs. FIPs are a particular investment vehicle that many sovereign wealth funds, private equity funds, pension funds, they use in order to invest in Brazil, depending on the circumstances. It's still very tax advantageous, but the legislation becomes more, let's say, sophisticated, and you could end up with two different types of FIPs. So making a long story short, those investors, they would have to be a little bit more careful about using the FIPs when investing in Brazil, just as another topic to pay attention to. Remember that next year we do have presidential election. Mm. So if this bill of law does not get traction in the next few weeks, the chances of approval falls exponentially as we <laughs> move forward. My two advices are pay attention in the next few weeks. And if this moves forward, depending on this particular situation that the investor has in Brazil, we may need to move quickly. The tax team must be ready for a quick reaction. So we've got a long and winding road ahead for Brazilian tax reform, with the possibility of a dead end when the dust finally settles. It's happened before and could happen again. We'll keep you posted as things develop. And in the meantime, be good, stay safe. We'll speak again soon. You've been listening to Destination Country X. Thanks so much for tuning in. We look forward to speaking to you next time.